This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Anderko, where the saints show us how it's done. And sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Julie tells their stories to help you find hope, inspiration, and direction to show how the saints discovered and accomplished God's mission for their lives. God always has a plan, and it doesn't matter who you are or what the situation is, He's always got a plan. This is evident with the life of St. Helena. She, what we would say today, wore many hats. She was a commoner, born commoner. She was a kept woman, maybe a common law wife, concubine. Then she was cast away. She was a single mom. Then she became a Christian when it was illegal and a dangerous thing to do. And then when her son grows up, she becomes the empress. <laughs> and that's kind of incredible in and of itself. But then the story really heats up. And she is instrumental in bringing Christianity to the world. But the ruling family of which she is a part, there's this horrible scandal, the kind that will undercut any true, authentic spread of Christianity. And by then, she's a very old woman but she has one mission left to do, her response to this horrible tragedy. And it is to unify the kingdom under the cross of Christ. It's an amazing story. She can identify with so many of us on so many parts of her life. Let's get into it. Helena was common born. She was the daughter of an innkeeper. And as she grew and became a young woman, she caught the eye of a Roman tribune named Constantius. And Constantius was talented militarily, and he was motivated, and he was climbing the ladder, and so she became his girl. And history tells us that some say a concubine, some say a common law wife. She has a son with Constantius, and they name him Constantine. But because Constantius is very ambitious, it becomes politically necessary to cast Helena aside because he needs to marry the stepdaughter of the Roman Augustus of the Western Empire. So at this time, Rome was divided. It wasn't unified. So there was more than one Augustus. But that was a big chunk, and that was a big step up. So he marries her, and Helena is cast aside. Now, at this time in history, which would be the very late 3rd century and the very early 4th century, it was illegal to be a Christian. If you weren't willing to make the obligatory offering to the gods, the Roman gods, then you could lose your life over it, and many did. 
there was, this was a pretty big deal. It did ebb and flow in history. Sometimes it was worse than others, but it was illegal. It was dangerous to be a Christian. You had to really watch your back. And Helena becomes a Christian during this time. Her son grows and he joins his father in the field as a, in the military. Now, by this time, Constantine's father, Constantius, the one who casts Helena aside, he is the Augustus of the Western Empire, but he's not the kind of, of man who sits in a palace and rules. He's out with his troops and he's training and mentoring his son who has military talent and a flair for that, Constantine. So they're together and they're out on some field thing. I don't know what it was, but Constantius just gets sick and he dies. And the troops right then and there name Constantine, the young Constantine, they name him the Augustus right then and there. And so now he's the Augustus of the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire, not the whole thing. Well, Constantine did get something from his father. He was very ambitious militarily and politically. And he knows that the divided empire is gonna be unified. Whoever takes Rome is going to be on that path of unifying the whole thing. It's just a matter of time. So it becomes apparent that he will go into battle with Maxentius, the other Augustus, who also, they, they both are, are vying for Rome. So there is a, there is a battle that's going to happen. So before the battle, in the night sky, Constantine sees the symbol of Christianity. And it's the first two letters of Jesus's name in the Greek alphabet. It's the, it looks like a P and an X across it, the Chiro. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he sees that in the sky and he recognizes it because of his mother, of course, she raised him. And we see later in history that they were close. There's proof of it. So he recognizes it. And then we don't know if it was internally or audibly, but he hears by this symbol, you will conquer. And so he goes to sleep and then he has a dream that Jesus comes to him and tells him that by this symbol, you're going to conquer. So he wakes up, he gets his troops to put this symbol on their shields, on their helmets. It becomes the battle standard. And when he meets Maxentius, at the Melvian Bridge, just outside of Rome. The battle is quick. It doesn't take very long at all. And Maxentius is soundly beaten. He drowns in the Tiber River and Constantine takes Rome. And eventually he takes the whole empire. It's all his. So Helena becomes the empress. Similar to his father, Constantine had two wives. The first one bore him a son named Crispus. And then years later, he takes a very young wife and she, her name is Fosta. She gives him three sons. Now, by the time Fosta comes on the scene, Crispus is a man and he is doing military things for his father. And it appears in history that he is liked maybe well loved and he has that same military mind like his father and his grandfather 
and ambition, you know. So he's set to be the the Roman emperor when Constantine uh, dies. I mean, it's kind of all set up that way. And it's interesting that Helena is the empress, not Constantine's wives, either one of them, the first one or, or the subsequent one, Fausta. It's his mother. She's Empress Helena. And then he bestows an even greater honor and power to her by naming her an Augusta. So she's not an equal ruler, but she's a co-ruler with him of the whole Roman Empire. And her mission is to, to bring Christianity to the world. And over time, it's her sons too. He is coming along. At first, politically, it makes a lot of sense. But in the end, he, his heart is for Christianity and for Christ. But we have this horrible thing that happens. And Helena is pivotal in it. So what I'm going to do is tell you the facts. And historians have kind of speculated about how this all went down. And I'm going to speculate too and tell you why I'm coming down on one side of the story. But these are the facts. Facts number one. When Crispus is out doing some military errand for his father, his father sends a courier with orders that he be imprisoned and that he be executed in his cell without a trial. That's fact number one. Fact number two, he rescinds the order and sends a courier to rescind the order. But it's too late. Crispus has already been killed. Fact number three, his second wife, Fasta, he has her killed as well. And she liked to take the baths. So it's very gruesome, but he puts her in a bath or has her put in a bath and they heat it and they just keep heating it until she dies. They don't let her out. Gruesome way to kill someone. Those are the three facts. Lots of conjecture around this, but this is what many historians, myself included, deduce what might have happened. Since Fosta was um, the wife and Helena had all the power through her son, Fosta saw that the power of being Empress and Augusta comes through the mother and the son together and that her way to power would be through her sons, one of them. But this older son, Crispus is in the way. He has a different mother. So she needs to get Crispus out of the way. So what would enrage a father to order his son be killed? Well, remember he was an older man and Foster was a very young woman. He took a young wife. Well, Crispus was an adult. So I think that she made some kind of an allegation like he raped me or he made advances towards me or he's plotting against you or something really horrific that would enrage a man. And so infidelity, those kinds of things, that kind of betrayal would enrage a man. And when you've got power, you know, and, and you don't have a check on your emotions, you send out the order and then maybe think better of it later. So that's what I think happened. And I think the reason why he rescinded the order is that someone, probably Helena, heard about it pointed it out to him, said, look, it makes sense. Fosta wants her, him out of the way so that she can have power in her life through her sons. She wants to elevate them. I think someone 
had him look at it in a different way. And then he realizes the truth of it because of the fidelity of his son. So he rescinds the order. Now it's too late and his son is killed at his own hand. But partially because of misinformation or being misled, being manipulated by Fosta. So I think that's why he killed her the way he did in a very gruesome, horrible way. Because when he realizes that it's not just enough to kill her. Now, there's another fact. After this is all said and done, he orders that their names, Crispus and Fosta, be taken from all public record and from all history, as if he could make it like they didn't exist. I mean, when we are part of something horrible, we wish it hadn't existed. And he doesn't have that kind of power. He's not God. Yeah, he's the Roman emperor, but he doesn't have that kind of power. Anyway, that's the law, it's even illegal to speak their names. And I will tell you, given human history, it was illegal to speak their names. So people in hushed corners spoke their names probably all the more. And this scandal from the ruling family that is promoting Christianity, that's the reason it's legal, that the reason it's being spread, this scandal is going to undercut that. So by now, Helena is an old woman. Okay, she's 80 years old. And so she decides she's got to think spiritually. She's got to think longevity. She's thinking about her son's soul and she's concerned for it. So she decides to make a trip, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land for two reasons. One, to atone for her son's sin. Because this is going to be a hard trip. I don't care if you are the Augusta, the Empress, and you have every advantage in travel, it's still going to be hard. I mean, think about it. There's no air conditioning even. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be hard and it's going to take at a minimum two years just to get there. Two years to get back. And when you're there doing the work you need to do, maybe another year. So, I mean, at a minimum, a five year turnaround and she's really old. So she does this because she wants, because she loves her son. She wants to atone for his sin. And by this time he has not been baptized. She is really worried about him. The other reason she does it is because of the scandal. She wants to unify this new kingdom, a Christian kingdom, that people follow it for the right reasons, that they love Jesus, that they don't murder each other and act like pagans, that they embrace the Christian life. And so she wants to unify this kingdom under the cross of Christ. And so she goes to the Holy Land, has churches built, and recovers the true cross. Whatever place in life you are, no matter what it is, God has a plan. Helena's life, there's a plan. You see God's hand into in it. It's so remarkable. And so we take strength from that, that no matter what's going on, no matter the family dysfunction, the deceit, the political thing, the power, the money, the Whatever it is, it all comes down to the fact that if you put your eyes on Jesus, if you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You will do wonderful, spirit-filled things for God to the very end of your life, like Helena did. St. Helena, pray for us. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with author and speaker, Julian Durko. 
For more about Julie, visit her website at catholicfinishstrong.com and follow her YouTube channel, Catholic Saints on Mission. You can find previous episodes of Your Next Mission from God on the free Hail Mary Media app or your favorite podcast platform. Your Next Mission from God is produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.